My name is Belinda Granger and I'm the professional liaison for Challenge Family. I'm also known throughout the triathlon world as being a bit of a mother hen to the pro athletes. Of course, given the current circumstances, I've been thinking about the athletes a lot lately. So we came up with the idea of Coffee Calls with Belinda, which basically gives me and you an opportunity to check in with them all and see how they're all going. So welcome to the official Challenge Family podcast. I think it's time for a coffee. And welcome back to Coffee with Belinda. I am Belinda Granger and today we have yet another special guest. Uh, he start, didn't start in the sport of triathlon, but he's certainly well and truly established in the sport right now. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Braden Curry from New Zealand. Hi, Braden. Hello, uh, Belinda and followers. Good to, uh, good to be here. Now, we were just having a, a really brief discussion before we started the podcast today, and I just wanted to make sure that I had my information correct. Can we um, just settle this as brief and Belinda Granger come into the same uh, <laughs> sentence? <laughs> oh, Brayden. Brayden, but I, I thought that was the whole interview done, and we're only just about to begin. <laughs> oh, Brayden, you know me too well. You know, and I, and I always, I always promise, that I promise the athletes, I, look, it'll only be 40 minutes, 45 minutes max, and then, you know, yeah, I come yeah. back downstairs and Justin's going, You've been gone for an hour and a half, or you've been gone for two hours. How long was this podcast? I'm like, oh, well, the actual podcast was only 45 minutes. And like, well, what would you, yeah. what were you doing with the rest of your time? <laughs> well, I've got kids, so we'll get into this and we'll, we'll spit this one out nice and fast, eh? Yeah, absolutely. I promise. I'm getting better. I'm getting better all the time. I promise you. I'm, I'm, get, I'm getting it down pat. Yeah. Now, Braden, you originally were not a triathlete you come from an adventure racing background now is that correct is that where you started way back in the day um yeah i guess it's like that terminology of uh, if you're a pure adventure racer you probably wouldn't call me an adventure racer if you are a triathlete you'd probably call me an adventure racer so <laughs> I love uh, as the purest might have it uh i started as a multi-sporter um I started uh, with a few different races in Australia, um, a few trail running races, and then the first thing that really um, drew me to endurance sport was a race in New Zealand called the Coast to Coast, and um, that really consolidated, I guess, uh, my career or beginnings in endurance sport. Uh, okay, so h how long ago was that? What age were you when that first started um i was 21 okay uh when i first started uh the coast to coast and yeah it took a while to find triathlon after that well and that's interesting because i know i mean i know the coast to coast very well obviously it's a it's a it's a famous race not only in new zealand but most multi-sport athletes and even triathletes would would have heard of the coast to coast it's an incredible event um it doesn't it doesn't have any swimming does it or it does no. no, no. So no swimming. Um, yeah, bit different, obviously, to triathlon. It's uh, was it? It's well, it's about a twelve hour, eleven, twelve hours of racing. Uh, one day, one side of New Zealand to the other. Wow. Um, biking, really, really uh, gnarly trail running, mountain running, um, and a big five hour kayak in the middle. Far out. So does that mean when did you actually take up? swimming on a serious level i mean obviously you learned to swim as a child i i get that i mean i think most new zealanders and australians uh learn to swim very early but when did you t actually start taking it seriously then 
Well, uh, I was. Uh, we had moved to Australia and we're living in Byron Bay. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Wow. And I was still racing. I was racing just doing a little bit of multi-sport and I decided that I should do uh, one of what was called the Anaconda Adventure Race Series, um, which had a 1.8k swim in it, I think. Okay. Um, so I was 23, 24 when I first learnt to swim, really. Before that, I had done very little swimming. Um, had never done any swim squad training. And, yeah, I remember jumping in the pool to try and swim uh, my first <laughs> kilometre. And uh, at that point in time, uh, Sally lapped me. Oh, no. Okay. That would have been yeah. a, a nice wake-up call. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was... Uh, Definitely a reality check, and uh, yeah, from then on, I, I had to dedicate quite a lot to swimming for the next few years. Wow, I mean, well, you obviously have because you're swimming. I mean, your swimming's fantastic now. You you get out in the main pack. I know when you race uh, Kona, the World Championships in October, you, you're always out with that main group. So that's that's impressive over such a short and be, let's be honest, for swimming particularly, that is a very short period of time to go from really nothing to where you are now. Uh, yeah, if I had to uh, put something out there, it's probably the biggest achievement that I've done in the sport or most progression. Um, then, yeah, pretty much zero swimming. Uh, wouldn't have probably made it through 100 metres without stopping uh, when I was 23 to <sighs> making the front group at Kona at 27. That's incredible. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot, Braden. So, obviously, we know you come from an adventure racing background. Um, you also dabbled in short course triathlon for a little while and now you are well and truly entrenched in long course so middle distance and full distance and you are one of the best in the world where is your true love over is it all three or if you had to choose what one do you get the most pure enjoyment out of um i, I mean for me I, I love endurance racing yeah. like no matter what uh so anything longer than four or five hours is uh where i seem to come into my own and i actually start enjoying it a lot more after that point of time too like i get a lot of um i guess yeah content uh a lot of uh joy out of racing um for that longer time yeah. so yeah for me um i mean i am in fills that bucket in its own way um but i mean obviously my background i love adventure i love being in the mountains so if i could um have a world platform where i could race the best guys in the world and feel like they were the best guys in the world um i would probably choose adventure racing or yeah. multi-sport racing um but i guess the the big thing i love about ironman is just the the dedication and how um, how committed you can be to it and how disciplined you can be to it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Now, you live in uh, probably what I would say is one of the most spectacular places in the world, and I've been to a fair few countries now. Uh, you live in Wanaka uh, in New Zealand. Uh, I've been there, I think, now, ooh, it's got to be at least 14 or 15 times, and I it's the one place that my husband and I have said if we were not going to live in Noosa, we could spend six months of the year here and six months in Wanaka because we absolutely love it. Now, how long have you and Sal and the family actually lived in Wanaka, called Wanaka home? Uh, since we moved back from Byron Bay. Uh, so we're coming up uh, seven years wow. now yeah. in Wanaka. 
Um, yeah, so we moved straight back from Byron to pursue, I guess, adventure racing at that point in time, stage racing in China, and made Wanaka home. Wow. And so Wanaka is not where you you guys are originally from. Where, where are you originally from in New Zealand? Uh, the both of us grew up in a small town called Methven. Um, not far out of Christchurch, most famous for probably Mount Hutt, which is quite a big ski yep. field. Okay. Um, for the Australians, uh, used to be a, a very popular ski field to come to, and uh, these days kind of Queenstown probably takes dominance on it. But uh, it was a great little town to grow up in, lots of adventures, um, lots of outdoors on the doorstep, and uh, yeah, good skiing. Wow. No, now it all makes sense why you're so good at this uh, outdoor adventure. Act, mm. sorts of activities now is Wanaka is well and truly you're, you're entrenched in Wanaka now it is definitely home for you isn't it yeah 100% um yep kids are in school and yeah we are very committed to I guess Wanaka being home and um our local kind of base obviously we still travel uh last year we did nearly six months of the year away from Wanaka um but you know owning a house here yeah. um a lot of friends, a lot of family, and, uh, yeah, all the kids, you know, main friends are obviously based here in Wanaka. Yeah, and, of course, one of my all-time favourite races, Challenge Wanaka. I'm so glad we got that race in at the beginning of the year. Who would have thought? I mean, did you have any idea that that would be one of the – I mean, obviously you got Challenge Wanaka in and then Ironman New Zealand, but did you have any idea of, of what was yet to come? Could you even Could you even have guessed I don't think anyone in no. this uh, world could have guessed at that oh. point in time what was going to happen. But, yeah, we were incredibly lucky. Awanaka was, um, you know, put on a beautiful day this year and uh, it was great racing. It was awesome to have Skip back down here and, uh, yeah, Mike Phillips back on the course. And it was, yeah, it was a really good battle between the men and, and an awesome battle between the women too. So we were very lucky to get that race through. And, uh, yeah, for us Southern Hemisphere athletes to be able to tick off some good good racing early in the year with uh, any uh, interruption from COVID, I guess. Exactly. Now, Braden, one of the things I think uh, me personally, but I know a lot of your fans and supporters love about you so much is that you, you train and race with such passion. It is so obvious that the love you have, not only for the racing, um, but for training and for the outdoors. Um, and I, I must admit, I love following you on Insta because I just love some of the adventures that not just yourself, in tra- but your whole family, um, what you get up to. It's incredible. And I, I just I love and I just think if I was ever coming back again, I'd want to come back as one of your kids because uh, they have the most incredible life. But in saying that, how has the past few months been for you, especially in New Zealand? Because you guys went straight into level four lockdown, which was proper lockdown, let's be honest, um, almost immediately. Yeah. So how did you cope? Um, as a family, first of all, so as a family, you've got two gorgeous young kids that are very energetic, love the outdoors. How did you guys cope with that when it first happened? I mean, one or two weeks is fine, but how long were you in lo- a level four lockdown for? Um, so it ended up five weeks, oh, pretty much, wow. uh, level four lockdown. And uh, yeah, it was, it's like everyone, you know, we all had to adapt and uh find a way uh, to kind of roll through it. Um, it was actually quite funny. Uh, I finished Ironman New Zealand and shot off on a bit of a boys trip into a place called Fiordland. Um, and it's very remote. It's obviously got no phone coverage um, and yeah, no way of reaching 
out. Uh, so we came out pretty much the day before lockdown. Uh, we turned up back into uh, civilization to get about 100 messages on my phone to say that uh, the kids have been taken out of school and oh, um, no you way. kind of better get home quick and go buy some groceries because uh, we're going to be at home for the next four or five weeks. Wow. Um, so, yeah, it was a pretty quick turnaround, really, from uh, the middle of nowhere, um, pretty much pure isolation to um, being stuck in isolation in your own home. <laughs> That's and, crazy. Um, it was good, Pete. Like, uh, I mean, we're pretty used to spending quite a lot of time um, together as a family. Yes. Obviously, with travel and, you know, us in Noosa, um, we homeschool our kids when we're there and spend all day, you know, it's just between me and Sal, we spend all day with the kids. So, um, lucky enough, my job's pretty flexible and uh, being a professional athlete at this time, pretty much my job's out the window. Um, yeah, so yeah, exactly. I, don't have, I didn't have too many, too many commitments, really. Um, and it's, uh, it was just a process that I think everyone had to go through. We, we did what we could to entertain the kids and we set up structure for them and, um, you know, we had fun where we could. We did lots of little adventures locally. We could still ride our bikes uh, outside, you know. It wasn't like being stuck in Europe in an apartment or something. Um, we could still go and do um, small adventures close to home. And as you say, you've been to Wanaka. Um, we're very lucky to have some incredible assets like like, a, like Noosa, um, where you can head down to the river and go for a swim, or you can still trail run or get out on the bike. So... Um, all in all, it was uh, it was pretty good. Oh, that's unreal. And yourself, personally, like with your training, obviously you you've got a coach. Um, so were you? Did you have a, a, a regimented indoor program, or did did you keep it quite casual? Yeah, I took it uh, pretty casual, to be honest. Um, I liked watching Sebi. Uh, he's been my favourite so far. Uh, <laughs> Everyone loves Sebi. <laughs> like, uh, I do like an hour bike in the morning and I kind of like ramp it up to 200 watts, 220 watts. Yeah, it's not very impressive, um, but that's all I'm going to do. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah, definitely took it pretty easy for about uh, three weeks. Um and just sort of, yeah, I mean, everyone was probably in the same boat. It's like, well, what what are we going to do? How long is it going to be till we're potentially racing next? Yeah. Um, is this our chance within, you know, the last seven years? I don't think I've had probably longer than, you know, a couple of weeks off. So is this our chance to have a bit of an off-season and, and start rebuilding um, from scratch? So we pretty much did that. Um, so I took three weeks out there. And uh, and then since then it's kind of been rebuilding, and each week we seem to learn more and more. And you you have dabbled a little bit in some of the uh, virtual racing that's been taking place. Uh, I did watch that that little race, the little Kiwis versus the Aussies, where you absolutely yeah. you annihilated us. Um, let's you know get that right. Learned, though, <laughs> is that we were lucky enough, me and Phillips, we raced uh, try New Zealand, put on quite a good little series over here ah. um, which was a virtual race series every Saturday morning and I think the biggest learning I can take from virtual racing not that I should put it out there but be ready to do absolutely max wattage yep. for from like you got to start about 10 seconds before the start <laughs> Um, and it. you do absolutely <laughs> max wattage and then for the first two or three minutes you just go absolutely max and it just kind of catapults you out the front and I know for a few of the trains Z races I turned up and I'd kind of turn up at the start line late and then I'd be like okay we'll just roll into it and I'll warm up 
And before you know it, you're five, six minutes behind everyone. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think uh, I think we had the boys on the start line. I heard Mike saying he was doing five or 600 watts oh. off the start. And um, yeah, I think we jumped the boys from the start and there's probably no chance to come back after that. Well, I know, poor old, I, I spoke to Josh Amberger the other day and he was absolutely blown away by what was what was in front of him and he, I don't think he, the poor bugger I don't think he knew what hit him so uh now you, hopefully you'll yeah. listen to this and you'll get some tips for next time yeah we've let our secret out eh yeah we're ready for the what bombs off the start line and then, <laughs> and then sit back and get into it oh, I love it and of course you know with the virtual racing you know, I, I've watched a bit of um, some of the comments with people getting a bit iffy with people putting in incorrect weights and, you know, sometimes a little bit of the information might not be as correct. But at the end of the day, Braden, it's it's just a tool, another motivational tool. It's just a great thing to have. I don't think you need to take it too seriously. Um, it's just something that if it gets you on on, on the bike and gets you pushing hard, then, then it's got to be good, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. I think it, it is hard. It's really hard. And it, I mean, it's harder to be put into those situations where it's, um, I guess like that, that one on one kind of racing scenario, like we were put into with that, um, VR race that it, it kind of displays it, but it's, it is hard to believe how accurate, not just, I mean, I'm sure everyone's as honest as they can yeah, be with yeah. their calibration and their weights, but it's, to me, it's also the metrics that they're, they're using, you know, the body to weight ratio, how that applies to speed. And, you know, Mike's probably got a lot bigger surface area than I do. Yes. Um, so his, <laughs> his, you know, his aerodynamic and CDA score is going to be different to mine. Is that getting applied to a metric when you're on a flat downhill course? Of course. Um, to a power ratio and stuff. So, yeah, even if people are being really honest, it, I, I still think there's still some pretty big margins of, uh, I guess, error, error in there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I guess you got to take it for what it is and, and not get uh, too chewed up by the result, as I learnt um, for my first few races. <laughs> <laughs> as I was getting booked out the back with some 50-odd-year-old uh, age groupers. <laughs> so, oh, it was no. just sad for Amberger that it was, I guess, on quite a uh, visual platform. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, he'll, he'll be happy to hear that anyway, so that'll, that'll make his day. Now, usually about this time, uh, you and the family make your way over to Noosa and set up, set up home here for uh, our winter or the New Zealand winter. Our winter, of course, is just slightly different to your winter. Um, mm. Is that still something that's... Uh, on the plan um obviously our borders haven't opened up yet but i know there's been quite a bit of talk between the two countries that eventually mm. it will happen is if it does happen um in the next couple of months is that something that you and sally and the, and the kids will be looking to do absolutely yeah uh so we love coming to noosa uh it's such a beautiful place uh to be in winter and the weather's uh Amazing and, and Wanaka is incredible, but the, it's cold here. It's cold to <laughs> it's, even get out it's running. Pro, it's proper know. cold. Yeah, proper cold. It's proper cold. It's, <laughs> it's minus 10 kind of thing. And there's snow and ice on the roads and um, you, you literally, you can't ride outside really. Uh, you know, maybe I'll take my mountain bike on some trails, but even then all the puddles are frozen completely. You normally eat shit sometimes. So. <laughs> I can't um, imagine. Yeah, it's, uh, we definitely look forward to getting over there and... I'm pretty positive at the moment that the borders will open. Yep. Um, and if not, uh, well, Sal's actually got an Australian passport, so 
maybe we'll just plead that we want to, she wants to come home. That's right. I like it. I like <laughs> it. Come to the homeland <laughs> for and, four months. <laughs> and that's, that's the interesting thing, isn't it? Because um, that's another thing. Everyone keeps talking about if and when races will open up around the world and whether athletes yeah. are going to be committed to going. And I'd love to get your opinion on that, Braden, because obviously with um, there's obviously few races here that you are, would be looking to do. I know Ironman Cairns, Ironman Australia are still uh, scheduled to go ahead. Um, yep. And then, of course, uh, we'll talk about this in a bit more detail a little later on, but the PTO uh, Championships in Daytona. Now, these are – I'm not sure what the situation is there in New Zealand, but I know as an Australian I could get on a plane tomorrow and fly to Europe or to America, but it's getting back that could be the issue. But would you still risk that? Yeah, I mean, I probably wouldn't. Um, just depend – I mean, obviously depending on what the timeframes are. Um I mean, at the moment, uh, I do believe that, like, Cairns, uh, I mean, Asia Pacific champs and that, um, they've, you know, they've always had enough numbers of Australians and yes. Kiwis to probably allow that race of, what is it, like, 75% of Ironman Cairns as Australians, like, domestic yes. tourism. So, I, I don't see why they would take those races out. Um, and I think it's pretty, you know, it's easy enough for Ironman to come up with a system that takes away those contact points. Um, you know, a lot of the briefing can be, you know, recorded and um, yep. sign in every Joe, everything can pretty much done in time slots. And I believe that that race will continue on without it's not a world champs it's not no. um you know it's a it's a, an asia pacific race and i think all of australia and new zealand and some of asia may be able to be able to uh, join in but uh yeah it's going to be very interesting to see what happens um with the toner and and those sort of bigger races even kona pushing back to next year um yeah i think the world will carry on as fast as it can Yep. And if it feels like it's on top of the virus and it's in control, then and there's professional racing to be had, then um, I don't really have an issue with self-isolating uh, in places to be able to race um, and returning home and, and self-isolating again too, if, yep. if that's what it takes. So um, at the moment, we are definitely being positive um, yep. that it's going to go ahead. We're booking accommodation. Um, putting money on the line, and uh, yeah, well, I guess we'll just have to have to wait and see. But um, I reckon it'll it'll start up. No, look, I've, I have the exact same attitude as you, Braden, and I was talking to, to Renzo because obviously we get it. We get a good influx of of the, the top Kiwis over here every winter. Uh, yeah. I know Cam Brown, yourself, Terenzo, you were all here last year, and yeah. I I know that all of you want to come over again this year. So. I think we have to be hopeful and we, I mean, otherwise it's just too easy to just get down and depressed about it all. And I, I'm like you, I, I'm willing, I would be willing to fly halfway around the world to attend an event. I'm not even an athlete and I miss yeah. the, I miss the events that much. Um, they're still such a big part of my life. So I can only imagine what it's like for, for an, a professional athlete right now, not being able to do what they love and, and to make a living. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's very interesting. It's uh, and you know you feel a responsibility to your sponsors too. And yes, I guess a lot of the time, um, you know, you support your sponsors. Your main exposure comes from winning events or being at big events, and not having those opportunities means you've got to get a lot more creative about how you do it. Um, and 
yeah, there are definitely it'll be interesting times if it you know if it lasts much longer than what it's uh, looking like at the moment. Now, what are you? Are you you in stage? Two now you've obviously you're out of lockdown. I know it recently just changed for you all the New, New Zealanders. Uh, are yep. you you in stage two now as at the moment? Yep. So we've been in stage two for nearly a week, um, and things have been going really good. I think we've only had one case that was in already in an isolated bubble um, wow. within New Zealand over stage two so far. So yeah, uh, fingers crossed that continues and we get through. I guess that fourteen days um, of keeping anything that comes up in an isolated bubble, and I guess the country within itself will will pretty much go back to normal. That's incredible, you know, and I I know. That when you first shut down and went straight to level four and uh, we didn't. Um, yeah. And now I love it because now you're actually ahead of us. We're still here in Australia. We're still in stage three and not looking to move to the next stage till I think the 12th of June. So we've still got quite a few weeks to go before we uh, get back to that to the same stage as you. So, you know, I, you guys might have been a little jealous of us at the beginning, but now I think we're a little jealous of you with when we see all the you know, swimming in the pools. But Mate, we just pleaded. We just said, ah, oh, those, those typical Aussies, eh? Yeah. Arrogant. Oh. When, when I heard something about, uh, what was the <laughs> Prime Minister saying something about, oh, but you can still take your tinny out and go fishing. You know, that's an essential service. I was like, if you're calling that lockdown Australia, then uh, no. <laughs> it's not going to stop in a hurry, I don't think. No, no, you can only imagine. And it's it's been pretty funny what they've classed as as being essential here in Australia. Essential, but, as long as the bottle shop's open. Oh, again. they never closed. The, I mean, my sister The drive-through bottle. Exactly. My sister works at Dan Murphy's and she has worked more in these last few months than she's ever worked in her lifetime. Yeah. They made a fortune. Oh. So it's been pretty funny, but um, so now that you're allowed back out and you're allowed to train as normal outdoors, uh, I yep. know you've been taking advantage of that, Braden. Uh, you went on a little bit of an adventure the last couple of days. Can you just tell us a little bit more about that? Because it sounds it sounded pretty damn epic. Mm. Yeah, well, I have to fill you in because uh, I was supposed to be on a Skype call doing this interview with you, but uh, the weather was looking too good uh, to not get out in the hills, and I thought that you could wait. So absolutely <laughs> not. Um, oh, we're pretty lucky here, eh? It's, uh, for what I I just love being able to go adventuring. It's yep. my favourite thing, and if uh, the coach says you can have a big bike week then uh, the easiest way for me to do that is to go a place where I have really no option but to, <laughs> but to ride. go through it or to go <laughs> over it. <laughs> so, yeah, so I just went and did a new adventure, actually. I just parked over uh, in a little town close to here and rode over some mountains. I think the first day was uh, sort of six, seven hours of riding. Then I just stayed in a little hut um, in the back country there with the... All my gear. So, so Brayden, uh, you, you take all your own longer. gear? You take you take your, all your food for dinner that night? You take change of clothing? So is it a backpack or you've got something? If you've got, <laughs> how do you do it? I mean. <laughs> it's pretty minimalist, B. Oh, um, how do you not so freeze at night? a sleeping bag. Okay. Uh, and in New Zealand we have uh, like more musterous huts. Yep. Um, they're just tin sheds with a fireplace in them. And they're scattered out, like, all through our mountains, pretty wow. much. Uh, and they're open. They're left open, so you can go stay there. And, and most of them will have firewood kind of stashed up there and stuff. So, 
they're normally on like a four-wheel drive tracks, so you just ride in there. And um, yeah, I just carry I carry a sleeping bag on the front, and then I've got like a duffel bag that goes on the back of the seat, and I just carry a down jacket. Wow. Um, and I carry freeze-dry food, and uh, you know, a couple of I just carry a couple of dinners and a couple of breakfasts. <sighs> and when you get to the hut, you just light the fire and boil some water and. There you go. And go to sleep, and then the next morning you get up and freeze your ass off for about three hours while it's frozen. <laughs> but what did I have on? I had two, three base layers, a down jacket, a rain jacket, a cycling top, oh. um, full two sets of gloves, two sets of socks with booty covers, and I was still pretty cold actually. That's crazy. So, um, what do you reckon the temp got down to overnight in the hut or out, outside of the oh. hut anyway? It'd be yeah, it'd be minus six or seven. Oof. Um, yeah, it was pretty. It was definitely it was minus four when I was riding at seven in the morning. So oh, that's so insane. It was pretty cold and dark, but no, it's cool. There's heaps of trails like that. So the second day was a bit bigger, um, and kind of took me back up and over a kind of mountain pass that wow. dropped back into uh, Roxburgh, and oh. then a big road ride home. And so, how how many kilometers all up for the two days? The trip. Well, it kind of sounds weak because it's probably only just over three hundred k. But um, mountain, you're moving at like four k now, <laughs> yeah, and there's probably I don't know five thousand odd meters of climbing each Oof. day. So you're going pretty slow. Um, but no, it's cool. It's a fun way. I looked at you know you look at stuff like that. My average heart rate was like one thirty, kind of for uh, yeah. eighteen hours of riding all up or something. So oh. you wouldn't do that. Uh, riding around the roads on your TT bike, that's for sure. No, definitely not. And um, must have been absolutely magical out there. But is it, is it weird because it must be so insanely quiet at night in that hut? I, do, you, do you sleep do You, <laughs> you sleep might well? struggle. You'd have to talk to yourself. I know. I'd be like, <laughs> you just keep talking in your sleep. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, do, do, you uh, get a good cool. night, do you get a good night's sleep? Yeah, you get really used to sleeping yeah. in the huts. It's, uh, you crank the fire up and you pass out and you wake up really cold. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds fantastic. Sounds right up my alley. <laughs> yeah. I would like the fire and we can have coffee in the morning. Yeah. Oh, well, then I'd be fine as long as – look, to be honest, Braden, if there was coffee yeah. in the morning and a, and a glass of red at night, I think I actually think I could do it. But other than oh, that – those two are guaranteed you when you're on an adventure trip. Yeah, perfect. See, I think I, I think I could cope just, just yeah. for this. The so- only problem is the red wine comes out of a cask. Oh, you know, honestly, I'm not. I'm not a You're wine not snob. I'm not a wine snob. I can deal. Yeah. I can. De- I don't like to do it all the time, but I, I can deal. Um, it just sounds amazing, though, and and what a great two days away. And obviously, when you get back, um, it's straight back into into the program. Or do you give yourself a little time to just adjust, or is it? It's all systems um, go now. I straight back into the program. So we're back on the wind train a day and back into the swimming pool. Yep. Um, but, yeah, it's good. Now, you love to race. That's obvious. So as much as I know you love to train outdoors and um, go on these crazy adventures that we've, like we've just spoken about, I also know you love to race. Um, if we do have a scenario this year that there will be absolutely no racing in 2020, uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, I know you'll cope with it because you will have no choice. Uh, will it change things for next year, though? Because this is something that we've I spoke about in my last podcast. Will it change? Because obviously, if there's no racing at all for this year, for the remainder of this year. Uh, 
everyone's going to want to come out all guns are blazing and race everything they can. Will you be one of those athletes or will you still be fairly strategic and keep to the plan, the normal plan of just racing the races you need to, for example, to qualify for Kona um, championship mm. events? Or will you try and fit a few more in just because you're going to be itching to get out there? Um, I think we'll be fine in the Southern Hemisphere. I think it'll be more... That'd be a big question, I guess, if you're an American or in Europe, you know, like what do you do? You want to, you've had this whole year off. Um, how do you get back to racing and when does that start? Do you travel over here to do Ironman New Zealand or or a race or two in Aussie or Asia? Um, you know, for us, it's pretty much the same. We'll be, if we get back to racing next year, then it's Ironman New Zealand and it's Challenge Wanaka and um yeah and then over to Aussie so for me um you know not a lot will change um I'll be straight back into racing as soon as I can yeah um but I guess that's that's the peak of our summer as well and do you think it's going to make a huge difference though for you uh having obviously the world champs the Ironman world champs in February and then again in October and the reason I say that, Braden, because that trip to, to Hawaii for Australians is not a great trip to make. It's a huge time difference. It's a long, pretty shitty flight um, to do it early in the year, which I, I think will actually suit a lot of the athletes over this side of the world. Um, but then to go back again at the end of the year, plus all the rest of the racing, do you think that's going to take its toll or you think it's something that you'll be able to, to fit in and plan accordingly? I'm actually excited. I think yeah. it's epic. Yeah. I think the opportunity to race two major world champs, you know, you're probably going to stuff one of them up. Um, <laughs> yeah. so you get another chance, that's right. <laughs> you get a, a good shot at having a crack at two and you learn from one. And um, I think it's a cool opportunity for, you know, as Southern Hemisphere athletes to have a go at racing yeah. in our summer, you know. Yeah. Like, you know, we race all summer and then we go to Aussie or go to Europe and train and then race you know, mm. all of our winter as well. So um, it'd be incredible to train through a New Zealand summer and that lead into a Kona. Oh, I agree. Um, and, you know, it's, that for me is really exciting. And then the October race, it's like, oh, well, <laughs> I guess uh, you'll just be back to normal after that and heading back to having a crack at a second world champs if you if you get there again. So in saying that, Braden, would you, would you back up? Because obviously they've got, you know, the world championships scheduled for early February. And then you've mm. got, obviously, at the end of Feb, we have Challenge Wanaka and then, obviously, Ironman New Zealand, which is quite a popular double for many athletes mm. to do. Would you take on all three? Would that be the plan? Or you'd, you'd have to take it, you'd have to see what happens because that, that's a short time period. Well, as we said, I may be young uh, still in a little way, but uh, the body does feel the races probably yeah. more than it would like to uh, these days. So I think I'd have to be... I'd have to begin a little bit more strategic yeah. uh, about that lineup, and yeah, uh, yeah no, if Kona went ahead, then it would definitely be your guns blazing towards that. And it, really, the big decision for me is where do you train, like where do you base yeah. at that time of year. Yeah. I think that's going to be really hard for a lot of athletes because we all know how busy you know Aussie is, Noosa is at that time of year, and. True. Um, you know, they're not going to be able to race and not going to be able to train really in Europe. And uh, I guess there's probably some islands, Canary and stuff that stay warm enough. Um, but yeah, it would definitely change things a lot. Well, all I can say, at least the, all these Euros and, and US athletes will finally see how tough it's been for you guys over <laughs> the past, you know, X amount of years. So it's um, it'll definitely be interesting. Now, another uh, race that I wanted to chat to you about, because I know that you were fairly keen to get over and do it, was... 
Uh, obviously, we have our the champion the challenge from the championship race in Slovakia, and this year was going to be awesome uh, with the introduction yeah. of the Collins Cup. Um, definitely going ahead next year, which is great in the same venue. So, will this be a race that you would be looking to um, come over to Europe and and do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that format was just exciting, really. It was just fun. It was fun to change it up. And um, I've always really enjoyed watching Super League. Um, as you mentioned, I had a good had a crack, or a very short crack at, uh, at Olympic distance. And probably the biggest thing that got me excited about racing Olympic distance was um, the idea of like that kind of Super League style of racing. Yeah. Teams racing, um, but sort of faster, more dynamic, lots going on. So, um, yeah, I was very excited about racing the Collins Cup and uh, seeing, yeah, I guess the format and seeing um, how everyone would race it. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely pretty gutting to see that one go by the wayside. Um, but, yeah, next year will be awesome. And uh, fingers crossed I'll have the points to to get there and uh, and be able to race it. And um, I think it'll be uh, in its own way pretty revolutionary for the sport. No, I, I, I totally agree. And again, you know, obviously with Challenge Daytona at the end of this year with the PTO World Championship, and that's that's going to be run over slightly shorter, just short, slightly shorter than the middle distance um, racing that we're used to. Uh, but it's definitely a distance that I think will still suit you, uh, especially because you've, you've had some experience over the shorter distances. Um, and again, it could, you know, you're, you're definitely in there. It's, we know for sure that the top 40 ranked PTO athletes will be uh, invited to race Challenge Daytona this year in December. So yep. is that a race that you would also be looking forward to doing just because it is something so different being on the Daytona circuit? I was there for the first time last year. It was pretty cool, I have to admit. Yeah, yeah, I've done one race uh, which was in New Zealand based on a, on a race course over here, on a car race course, and it was awesome. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, the idea of racing there will be great, and uh, I haven't actually checked out the format yet, but uh, if it's a little bit shorter than uh, 17.3, then I won't complain, <laughs> um, especially at that time of year. I think exactly. it's probably a good, a good little firing up, and uh, it's, a, you know, it's a fair bit of travel, but... Uh, I guess you get pretty used to that. Yeah, no, tr very true. I'm, I'm, I've sort of got to the point for me that I'm, I'm hopeful that that will be my first overseas trip of the year. But uh, you know, obviously, worst case scenario. But um, yeah, it's definitely a race that I'm, I'm looking forward to to get into just because I think it could be a really exciting event between the longer course athletes, the middle distance athletes, and even the the Olympic athletes. So you know, we get the mm. very best of of all three. So. Definitely looking forward to that. Now, you talked about your age, and, and you we, you are young. I mean, obviously, in terms of being in the sport, you've been in the you've been racing competitively for quite a long time now, since your early twenties. You're thirty three, so in long distance triathlon, that's still very young. Um, when you've got the likes of of some of the older athletes like Crowey and uh, Cam Brown, you know, the Brown, famous don't miss out on Brownie. Brownie. <laughs> and actually, that's what, that's what Terenzo said the other day. He's like, oh, Brownie, he's 55, isn't he? <laughs> uh, he's a legend. <laughs> he is an absolute legend. I love him. Um, yeah. So obviously you're still young and you've still got, and not just racing years ahead, but room for improvement, um, definitely. I mean, you, you're not even in your mid-30s yet. Um, so is that the plan moving forward, Brayden, is to just keep chipping away? I mean, obviously, I'm sure one of your 
main focuses will be the Ironman World Championships um, and, and looking at trying to win that race. But uh, is there a, a five-year plan or a 10-year plan or a two-year plan? I mean, what, what is the plan moving forward from here? Mm. Um, I've never been very good at planning long-term. Um, not, that's not a bad. That's not a bad thing. Not a bad thing. Definitely a short-term planner, and uh, the long-term doesn't really stress me too much. Actually, I'm um, quite happy with what will be, what, what will be. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, 33. I don't see myself being, uh, you know, coming into a good age for Ironman, especially from what I've learned from racing Kona um, and World Champs now. Um, yeah, I think uh, there's definitely room for development and I think, oh, you know, there's no denying that my weakest leg right now is my cycling. Um, running's always come naturally to me. Uh, yeah, like I run Asia Pacific Champs there with that 239 um, mm. and that was off the back of like 30k run weeks. Um, so it's, it's not like I have to do big volume to get my run into a good position and I think, you know, my cycling is something that needs to develop and I need to be within touch of that front group at Kona on the bike um, leading into it. So I think that's probably the best one to work on. Right. Uh, and it's probably, you know, it not as in the best one to get. It's probably the one that's going to be, you're going to get uh, more gains um, with age than you are um you know for run speed and things like that so yeah it's definitely looking at the next sort of three four years of full commitment to racing Ironman uh, um, and longer course racing and um hopefully being able to get to the you know to the podium of uh world champs I uh, love it and um I, I can't let you go without asking because I watch her whenever I get to see you racing and then I watch her take care of you and I have to admit she does a pretty incredible job um, like we've mentioned you've got two young children but Sally uh, your wife um, who mm. I adore amazing woman <laughs> uh, she is really she's your rock I, I see she gets you organized um, makes things as easy as possible she does a lot of your social media she does a lot of your management work um, how you know crucial has she been to your success so far in your career um, I'd say within a professional career, incredibly uh, important. Um, yeah, as you know me well enough to know that I'm, I'm probably relatively relaxed when it comes to being, uh, I guess, organisation and, and management of uh, sponsors and stuff. I, I mean, I, I'm quite happy to talk to people, but yep. uh, when it comes to putting things on paper and, and booking flights and um, organising <laughs> bank accounts and mortgages and lawyers and uh, everything else I, I step well clear um so sally is an incredible part of that and yeah the reality is that we love our sport we love yeah. you know we love that that we get to live a lifestyle where i can be healthy i can be fit like my job is to be as fit as i can possibly be and as healthy as i can possibly be and we get to go to you know we get to set it up the way that we want to set it up you know yeah. that's the reality is that the best setup for us is whatever we choose, yep. um, which is pretty incredible. We get, um, get to choose our choice uh, of working locations, offices. Um, but Sally is definitely the one that brings that to life, um, makes it a reality and makes it happen. And uh, it's a great job. 
and it doesn't exactly pay huge money. Um, so you've got to be able to make the system work as well as you can, can. for you as an athlete to be able to get the most out of it um, and to be able to, to live the dream in a way. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would imagine if it was me, uh, I'd still probably be living in a caravan, <laughs> e- eating two-minute noodles, um, running in some probably see-through lycra and a few years old shoes. Uh, oh, I love it. And just codging my way through life. Um, but uh, these days I wear a fancy hat and a white shirt and bright running shoes and uh, get to travel. So. No, she's she's pretty clever. I must admit, you you make a, a fantastic team, and and I think you're selling yourself a little bit short because I remember having a dinner uh, when you were over here last, and you you were the chef that night, and that was a pretty bloody incredible meal oh. that you made. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah yeah. Let's see. Yeah, uh, I can do the basics. Yeah, no, pretty good, pretty good. <laughs> and I mean, what must it be? I mean, what a fantastic um example you're setting for your two kids um they live the dream and i can already see that you've instilled such an amazing outlook on life i mean they they love it as much as you do it's not like you're forcing them into exercise or into your way of life um they're embracing Mm. it wholeheartedly and it's just i don't think i've seen a family unit that you can just tell that every single one of you loves what you do no one's being forced um and I get to see you in Wanaka every year, and so I, you know, I see I've seen your kids grow up, and they just love their life. I think it's amazing. Mm, yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're obviously very lucky, um, and they're beautiful kids, and love them to pieces. You know, they are they are in a world. You know, racing doesn't really mean anything compared to what those guys mean to me. Um, yeah. And yeah, they just they're just incredible little people, and they live. You know, the biggest thing to me is they live their own lives in their way. They make their own decisions, and I've I've never I was never pushed into sport. I was never kind of given a direction or forced to go to a swim squad or do anything. And uh, in a lot of ways, I am grateful for that because I I feel like with those kids that they can choose to do what they want to do and, and my son just blows me away like it's his choice he'll just he'd be at swim squad every single day yeah you know six days a week morning and night he'll run every day bike every day but I've never I mean I've just about discouraged him to, yeah, yeah, <laughs> to do anything I'm just like come on mate and like take a break I'm, I'm 34 and I'm you know I'm smashing away every day you don't need to do that but um you know he takes it on himself and um, you can't you can't stop it when no. uh, he loves it that much and uh, that's you know it's really cool it's it's quite inspiring to watch because he just purely loves doing it um, yeah. so yeah we are yeah we're lucky and it's uh, it's cool to have two fit and healthy kids that enjoy living our lifestyle as uh, as much as we do. And do they both love the sport of triathlon or is it more just the the idea of, of getting out and being fit and healthy? Um, oh, you probably haven't spent quite enough time with my daughter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she's probably the opposite. Uh, she's hilarious. She'll whinge every time she's got to go do something. But when she's into it, she absolutely she loves, loves it. it. Yeah, loves yeah. it. Loves it. She gets so pumped and proud of herself when she climbs up a mountain or walks through a river or camps. She loves going on like trips and camping and adventures and stuff. And, 
she's a bit of a uh, probably more adrenaline junkie yeah um than like a passive kind of exercise junkie so she's always the laugh she's always uh she's always the joker of the group and uh and then Tanya he's just obviously very passionate about yeah that. I think I've seen a few videos where you've um You've had them walking up the side of a mountain, which is, oh, I mean, even for an adult to do is impressive. And there's been, I've seen a few, like a little bit of whinging, et cetera. But once, once you get to the top, it's a whole new ball game. Then it's like, oh, actually, I'm, pr- I'm pretty proud of what I've yeah. just done. <laughs> she is an absolute, like, tornado storm. <laughs> she, would, she would rip your head off if she could for those first 10 minutes. And then after that, she's into it. And, uh, yeah, pretty proud of herself. Oh, Awesome. So, look, I'm not going to keep you for much longer. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. You've got such a beautiful family. I I really do love the little bit of uh, the New Zealand slash Australia banter that we're able to have. There's so many incredible uh, triathletes from both countries. And the thing is we're allowed to – I always say we're allowed to bag out New Zealanders and New Zealanders are allowed to bag out us. But if anyone else does it, we're the first ones mm. to step in and, um, and, and stick up for each other. So I, I think it's fantastic. I, I love it. I love the – the New Zealand slash Aussie little showdowns that we have. Yeah, yeah, I think more so than we do right now. Yeah. It's probably showing how isolated we are over on this side of the world, you know, um, being so far away from Europe and, and the States and uh, and then, you know, between us, um, we are pretty pretty close, yeah. pretty similar and uh, we, we carry a lot of similar traits between the Aussies and Kiwis and it's always pretty easy to have a beer and a laugh with an Aussie. Absolutely. No, I love it. Well, listen, you take care. You are sending all my love to Sal and the kids. And I really hope that we are, we get to see you up here, or over here, I should say, in Noosa in the not-too-distant future. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, you tell JR to keep ticking. And, uh, oh, I will. We look forward to uh, being back in uh, the sunshine. Awesome. Look, thanks so much, Braden. It's been a pleasure. Catch you later. Cheers, babe. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Coffee Calls with Belinda. I really hope you enjoyed listening. If you'd like to continue listening and stay updated on our latest podcasts, then please subscribe. It would also be great if you could rate our podcast and leave us a review. If you have any specific questions you'd like me to ask the athletes, then please send through to the following email address, podcast at challenge family.com. The making of these podcasts would not be possible without the wonderful help of our great partners. Power Otso, Zone 3, Lubos Billick at LB Training, Sport No Limit Group and Velosop. But for now, thanks so much for listening and I'll be back soon for another coffee.